take action. Think different. Surround yourself with people that keep you uncomfortable. Surround yourself with people who want to multiply your life. When you walk into a room, you're almost not sure what to say or how you're going to say it because you're so uncomfortable. Force yourself to get into those type of environments. It's going to suck. You're going to screw up. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to step on someone's shoes, right? And they're going to be the nicest shoes you've ever seen. It's just going to happen. And then take action on everything that you feel that you deserve in life and be unapologetic about it. You only have one chance at this thing, man. You only have one chance. So be unapologetic. Go out there, take massive freaking action and surround yourself with people who push you to take massive freaking action. This is the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan, where we interview local real estate investors and professionals to go over tips, tricks, and investing strategies to help you learn about the business and to enable you to achieve your financial goals. And now, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. Today, we have Ruben Garcia. Ruben was the former CEO of his local Keller Williams branch in Fayetteville and now acts as a performance coach for agents. He'll go over how to create a high-performing team and how to improve your mindset to accomplish big goals. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the show and leave a review. We release episodes every Wednesday and Sunday and release the show notes with the full transcription on our site, everythingrei.com. Enjoy. Go ahead and introduce yourself and let everyone know who you are and how you got into real estate. Awesome. What's up, everybody? My name is Ruben Garcia. The way that I got into real estate is uh, I had a couple of friends tell me that, hey, man, you probably would be pretty good when it comes to sales. And uh, a few people told me that car salesmen or phone, you know, selling phones or stuff like this. And I said, you know what? I think the best way for me to get into sales is if I'm going to sell something pretty big. And uh, that's what rolled me right into real estate, man. It was never a plan of mine. I was at UPS for 12 years before I decided to quit um, and go full time into real estate. So it was not a plan of mine, but it showed up. So I uh, I took the opportunity. Congratulations. Thank you. And how long ago was that? Uh, almost five years. So four and some change, about four and a half years so far. And you've been doing this full time since then? Probably the first 10 months or so. That was me doing UPS and real estate, you know, trying to figure it out and where my niche was and how much I need to save up before I quit UPS. So uh, there was that 10 month grind like crazy and and try to figure it out and no sleep until I was able to quit UPS. The hustle is real. So what did you start doing? Were you starting on the investment side or did you start as an agent? No, again, man, that was later something I fell into. I started as a real estate agent and uh, got deep into the real estate world, started at one firm, ended up leaving that firm, went to another firm. And this firm that I went to, man, they really challenged your mindset, right? And they started to teach you how to fish and get leads and, and build your business. And uh, from there, you know, we crushed it. I helped grow a team to do over $12 million its very first year. In production, um, an average sales price in our world, which is one hundred fifty thousand, became the rookie of the year the first year. Yeah, just jumped into it and did everything I could. Everybody to me was a conversation about real estate. Yeah, that's awesome. And where are you located right now? Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's the state right there. Is uh, the North Carolina state? Um, this is one of my lead generation shirts. I actually sell these shirts. So uh, with any state. But just to kind of throw it out there, this is North Carolina. Yep, I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Awesome. 
So that's pretty amazing. With 150 grand average sales price, you're able to do 12 million in total volume in one year. Do you have any tips for anybody who wants to get into the real estate agency business on what they should be doing to get to that production level? Yeah, 100%. So um, that wasn't me, right? That was the team that we've created, right? Because for me anyways, to do that much volume, I would have dropped dead, right? Because there's so much in the transaction process when it comes to real estate to, to do that much. There's, I just, I couldn't have been able to do it, right? So we needed the help of some talented people um, on this team to help us get there. So leverage, uh, if that's something that you desire to do, right? And I should know the units. I should probably know the units of how much closed equaled that. But if you're looking to do X amount of units, it's going to equal something like that. And you know yourself well enough that you're not going to be able to handle that or you're going to die on the stretcher, right? Then then start having conversations with other people who may see and believe in your vision and start bringing them on. Start testing what that water looks like. And uh, uh, leverage was key. I would say leverage for sure. So you got a pretty big team. You're probably averaging somewhere in the ballpark of 80, 90 homes for their first year. How are you prospecting so many deals? So again, man, like mine was a little sliver of this agent's production, this agent's productions, this agent's productions, right? It was through leverage of here, buyer's agent, you handle this. Here, listing agent, you handle this, right? right? And uh, and the admin handling the uh, the paperwork. But for me, man, it was, uh, I grew up here, you know? I mean, I was born in Florida, but I was raised in Fayetteville, North Carolina since kindergarten. And I knew a lot of people. Um, so I just started making more connections, putting myself into more networking groups, because this is a relationship business, right? If they don't like you, they're not going to work with you. So I, I just wanted to be a dang good person and tell as many people as possible that I was a dang good person, right? And uh, just keep those relationships going and building out those networks every single day. And I'll tell you what, and I just taught, a, we, it was more of a workshop this morning. I was teaching uh, this stuff. Got to scale how many conversations you're having, right? And how many of those conversations you're having on different platforms, either that be social media, is that your church? Is that people at the convenience store, right? Where are you having these conversations and how many of these conversations are you having so you can start to understand who your market is? So in the beginning, it was just talk to everybody, man. Talk to everybody, let them know, let them know what's going on. But then I started keeping track of all the conversations I had and I started to get a better understanding of who my market was. And I just went deep into that. What did you discover? Ultimately, who was your target market? My target market is is more of the younger market, high energy, doesn't mind a few cuss words that get thrown across the table while we're looking for homes, you know, uh, enjoyed it, didn't have to really necessarily wear a suit, more of the adventurous type of client that I would find. And, and most of them were younger. Some of them, hey, listen, we're young at heart. I had a guy that I closed with, man, he went, he was retired, came from the north, moved down to the south, came up to the closing table in his, his Corvette, popped the trunk and had a, had a dehumidifier with cigars in there. And we just, we just chilled out and, and he gave us a cigar and he was young at heart. So I was, I guess more than anything, my market was the young at heart, adventurous, high energy people. So then what happened next? You go from rookie of the year and I saw that you're CEO of Kelly Williams branch over in Fayetteville. Yep. Yep. So yeah, I mean, it, it, one thing that I learned when building that business was that, you know, I started to enjoy pushing others in a good way. I started enjoying holding people accountable to their goals, right? I started enjoying helping building systems and models that could scale up people. 
and the CEO position became available and I, I didn't really apply for it, but I knocked on the door and was like, let me in. I'm next. And they were like, nah, nope, 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 nope. You haven't been in the business long enough. Um, you can't do this in your own office because people know you and it'd be weird or whatever. And I just kept knocking, man. I just kept knocking and knocking and knocking until finally they said yes. And, uh, I took that position the CEO position and, and was able to really build a solid team around me, man. And we were able to break all time records every month and owner profit, profit share and listings taken and listings volume and everything else. And, and, uh, that was really an amazing ride to do that. A lot of failures, uh, to do something like that. I was really uncomfortable. I wanted it, but I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, but I'm glad that I committed to it because there's a lot that I took away from that. Yeah, I'm sure you learned so much from doing it. So what are some of the key tips that you gave your team to be able to perform at such a high level? Listen and execute on your promise. I'm sure there's more to it, but man, it broke down to listen to the agents, listen to the staff, and then execute on the promise, right? If you made a promise that we were going to change something. If you made a promise that we were going to make a new hire, if you made a promise that the funds, money that was made was going to go here, or we were going to affect these people, or these are how many listings we were going to take. If you made a promise, man, you held up to it. And that built that built trust, that built culture, that built those agents to have more conversations with other real estate agents and, and other talented people. And we were able to grow that way, man. So, so listen, don't talk. I know I'm talking a lot, by the way, right now, so I might be going against it, but, but man, just ask the right questions, really listen to your people and execute on your promise. If you do something like that, it definitely builds the morale of the team and probably motivates them to do a better job. hundred percent. Yeah, man, because there's, there's a quote that goes around that, that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, Right. So you can go there and, and just puff out your chest and, and beat it really hard and, and say all your accomplishments and what you know. No one cares, man. No one cares until they know how much you care. And I did, man. Mm-hmm. I cared about everybody in that office. So I guess the difference is because maybe because you were part of that team before you knew them on a personal level compared to an, another CEO who was working there, they probably just thought all, you know, business, business. So because you brought that personality in there, now they like you, they want to work with you, they want to work hard for you. And I built a, I, I say the team built a, uh, a sounding board from the very beginning. You know, we, we broke people down into production levels and we, we, we set up meetings with every single one of them. It was a group of people. And, and I just basically said, yo, what are we doing wrong? What are we doing wrong? What could we do better from a scale to one to 10? If you're at a five, how can we make it a 10 experience for you? Right. And they threw up on me, man. They were like, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. And I needed it, though. I needed it. I needed every one of those, those quote unquote, failure moments. So that way we can collect. We can put it in a system. We can get a better tool. We can hire better people. I can change me as a leader. Right. But without that feedback, man, I don't know if we could have made some of the changes that we did. But you just have to have to listen to your people. And that's what showed them that I cared because not only did I listen, we executed on the promises too. If you don't mind sharing, what was some of the constructive feedback that you got from your, from your team members? Oh, you're good, man. So, you know, one of the biggest things was the newer agents felt as if we weren't paying them any attention, right? We only paid attention to the producers. 
you started to see what it was like the middle people where they're they're not necessarily super big producers, but they're not necessarily brand new and not really selling anything. They're kind of right there in the middle. They were saying the same stuff, right? It just felt like we were having those conversations and those accountability meetings and everything else were just the top. So we changed it, man. We changed the onboarding process, uh, which was a lot more accountability on the agent to, to execute the things they needed to execute uh, as fast as they wanted to. And we would move them up to the next level. So they were given attention if they brought in results, right? Because if they brought in results, they were able to change their own life. And if we saw that they were bringing in results, uh, and it could be anything, it could be going to an association meeting, it could be going to, it could be holding a class, right? It could be setting up your bank account for a tax account and a, uh, a business account. Like these little things you can do, we see it, we started keeping track of it, and we knew who the people that we really needed to keep paying attention to, right? Because they really wanted it. So we built a system to to show us the people who truly wanted it. And we made sure to, you know, we were there for them. And the ones who didn't really want it at that high level, the ones that were okay with selling, you know, three homes a year, as long as we knew that, that was good. We would pay, we would also pay them attention, but obviously you're going to focus a little bit more on the person who wants to close 20, 40, 60 deals a year, right? But uh, still keeping attention to the other ones, but it was it was a better understanding. It gave us more clarity on on the conversations that we were lacking at. So then, what happened next? Your CEO of Color Williams. What did you do after that? We went to Disney. No, uh, <laughs> I got really passionate about the numbers. I started really getting very attracted to the numbers. Something we called the multi year trends, which showed us uh, a, a ton of metrics and how well we were doing and how well we weren't doing. And each one of those numbers told us a story on where our failures were at, right? Immediately. There was no guess game to it. The numbers told us where we were, where we needed to pick it up. And so uh, one of the places we needed to pick it up in our office, man, was that there was a, there was a, there was a, there was a gap where we needed more, what we call company dollar coming into the business. We had record amount of, at that time, they're called cappers, meaning they now make a hundred percent of their commission. So that means we need more company dollar coming in because these people were capped. If we, if we were hitting records of cappers here, that means the company's not really making money because they're keeping all their commission, right? So there, there was this middle ground that we really needed some more people to get into production. And uh, so we introduced, we had a conversation, we had introduced what's called a productivity coach. And a productivity coach is in the office and their one thing is to help agents get into production, Right. And I looked and looked and looked and we found some cool things, but it hit me one day, man. I just left the office. I was frustrated. I was like, golly, man, we got to make this thing happen. And I just started thinking, I said, well, what if, what if I do it? What if I become the productivity coach, new CEO is hired and I can help coach the new CEO because I've kind of, I've done it. So not only do we help grow the productivity coaching program to get agents in production, I can also help kind of mold or, or mentor the, the CEO, the new CEO. Um, the investors liked it into, in that office, and that was the next step for me. I actually moved into the productivity coaching biz, uh, position, which was 100% commission, um, bye-bye salary. And uh, I just believed into making that thing work. It was a failed program in the past, and uh, I decided to do that. Yeah, sounds like a pretty exciting journey to go from, you know, CEO of a Kelly Williams branch 
to becoming a productivity coach, where I'm assuming you're not just helping out people in your old branch, you're also going to other, you know, real estate brokerages, and also kind of boosting them up as a productivity coach. Dude, that's a great, great question. And no, when I first got into the business, yeah, man, but that's a great question. That's what I'm doing now. Great question, because that's what we first started doing, man, was because that office needed that help. That's what we concentrated on. You know, it was our one thing. It was the only thing we, we focused on. We made it happen. We did, uh, we did a pretty good job. I think we closed 174 units our very first year. We produced almost $250,000 in company dollar our very first year. Agents made over half a million or right there at half a million. But it closed, it was closed around 174 units. And that was our first year out of a failed program back in the day, right? So, uh, which was a lot of hard work and a lot of conversations and, and pushing people outside their comfort zone. And, and man, we had a great, we had great agents, right? And they produced. So, whew, that worked because, dude, we were moving. This is how crazy. What? This doesn't even make sense of an entrepreneur, right? We were moving. My wife was pregnant. And I decided that it was a good idea to leave a salary position and go 100% commission. Oh, and we had investment properties. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense, dude. So, but in my mind and in my heart, I felt that we can make it work. And luckily I have a supportive spouse, which is kajillion percent important. And she believed in me and she said, okay, right. She had my back on that, but Crazy moment, man, but it, the risk was worth it. I really love those people in that office, and, and it was worth it. It was worth it to do it, and we did good. Congratulations on that. So by the way, you said you're a commission now. How does that work? Does like your old Kelly Williams branch pay you for your services? Or you're not an agent. You're out there also selling. No, that was, that's another great question. So I believe in the one thing, right? So what's the one thing I can focus on? Such by focusing on it will make everything else easier or unnecessary. And so when I rolled into the productivity coaching program, I didn't, I was no longer selling real estate. Um, the way that I was making the commission was that anybody who signed on to this productivity coaching program, the way that I got paid is I got paid 10% of their gross commission income when they close something. So coaches, you know, man, they run, I don't know, a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand, six thousand dollars, right? And newer agents where we really needed those agents to produce, there's no way they could afford that. So what we talked about was say, okay, so what if the only way that they pay a coach is when they close something, right? And so we did 10% out of their gross commission income was the way that I got paid. And then I helped some real estate teams. And that's, that's when I started getting into a flat fee. I started thinking flat fee because for the person who's running real estate teams, if I got paid 10% of their GCI on every single one of their deals, they'd be, they'd be paying me some pretty good money. Um, so I decided to go flat fee. They paid me a flat fee and then I would coach their agents on their team at a 5% gross, uh, gross commission income because they were closing a lot more deals than the, um, the individual agents who were in the productivity coaching program. So about month six, seven, eight, Within the, the productivity coaching program, I started thinking flat fee, helping teams, um, getting some more GC, GCI, but at a 5% because they're closing more deals. I hope that makes sense. Oh, it makes total sense. I mean, it's like a, an alignment of interest because you want them to sell more because now you get a percentage of their commissions. It, it makes total sense. And they make more money and they're happy. Exactly. 
is that like a one-year term commitment to you or how does that work? Like what's the term of them giving you that 5% of their commission? Indefinite until they, uh, until they want to, until they want out of the program. And so I had an agreement with every one of these agents, but the world I'm in now, I don't do an agreement, which might sound crazy for all my flat fee people, because here's the deal, man. If, if you find that we're not a good fit month, three, month, six, month, eight, then just tell me, right? There's a difference between a scarcity and abundant mindset. And mine abundant mindset says it's all good, man. Go enjoy. If you want a different coach, 100%, go do that. If you want to go do your own stuff, maybe somewhere else, go do that. It's all good. So I never held them to the contract anyways. If they want to go, it's all good. And on my terms, I can say, hey, hey, listen, we're no longer a good fit, man. I mean, like you come in, you give an excuse every single time. We figured out three, five different action items that could literally help you grow and you're not taking action right? How many of those do I have to go through before I say we're no longer a good fit? And, uh, you know, and I had a few of those too. Got it. So it's like a recurring basis because you're not just coaching them for like two weeks and then, all right, let me have all your commissions for a year or two. It's a continuous relationship where you're helping people. And as long as you're helping them, that's where you're getting your, your commission from. That's exactly right. Can you share some of the common tips that you're helping some agents with? Like, I'm sure you've worked with many different people and you can see some commonalities like, all right, every single person here is maybe insecure or they're scared of rejection. What are some common tips you give to other people? I just did a workshop on that today to kind of kick off this, uh, this 12 month series that we're going to be doing for any real estate agent in our area or surrounding area. They can come, they can, they can sit into the class. We don't care about firms, what firm you're with or whatever. I mean, I talked about some of this stuff. One of the tips was I needed to know how to infiltrate their thought because if you could teach someone how to think different, then the the action items aren't as much of a challenge uh, to have them do right or that for the hat for to have them believe in it. You have to teach someone how to think different, um, and they have to want to think different. So I would say one of the, one of the things we would do is uh, I wanted them to get the book Miracle Morning. And uh, start putting into practice savers um, and affirmations and, and, and really getting into podcast you, right? And, and anything that feeds their mind and, and has them think different, right? It, that was important. And number two, we went deep into their, uh, their calendar and their schedule because, you know, so many people say they don't have time or that they don't know what to do with their time. Um, so we would build out their calendar together. Um, I didn't give them just like a template and say, here, run this play. Together, given their goals, given their family status, given their hobbies, given their uh, date night, family night, movie night, whatever, we would plug all that personal life into their world first, into their calendar, which exposed all the white space. And we would go heavy in that white space because that, mean, that meant it was business. Um, so I would say one of the biggest tips is not only build a calendar, uh, but, but follow it, protect your time. That was a, that's huge, man. That's one we're always hitting on. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, I have a calendar too. I follow it very religiously and I get, I get extremely like peeved when schedules change unannounced, you know, last minute. And yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, man, because you respect your time, right? 
Yeah, you respect your time. And, and here's the deal, man. Like you put it in place because you also respect their time, right? You did it for a reason. And uh, it takes, it takes uh, in my world, a special individual who, who truly respects and protects and understands how valuable time is. So that's why I was on time for you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you very much. So do you still do savers? Like you wake up every morning doing the Miracle Morning stuff? I do majority of savers. I don't do them all, all the time. One thing that I let slip a lot and I shouldn't, man, is, and thank you for holding me accountable to this, is, is silence, right? I don't spend enough time uh, just with myself and, and just thinking. And I had a cool method, man. Do you know the Wim Hof breathing method? Nope. Nope. Okay. So I had a trouble sitting silent because I'm like, get jiggity get i can't stay still i got too much too much energy and i said well how do i do this man there's got to be a method so the wim hof method worked man so that's one thing i uh i I let go i don't do that as much i definitely do affirmations definitely do visualizations definitely do exercise definitely do reading and i definitely scribe so i guess the one thing is uh and those are all daily the one thing has to be silence yeah i'm slacking on that man i tried doing uh miracle morning for about a month and then I couldn't stand waking up that early anymore, so I let it slip. So that's a good tip. I'll get back on it. <laughs> you should, dude. And here's the deal, man. Like, and this is what I do, right? If if that's what you truly commit to, um, hit me up on Instagram, Proven by Ruben, or I'll give you my number. Text me. Text me a thumbs up. Let me know you did it. Um, but yeah, I'm a 4:30 a.m. guy, dude. I wake up every morning at 4:30 to get the day started and and to make sure I can fit everything I need to within the day. Crushing it, man. And when do you go to sleep? Uh, Last night, we went to bed a little after 10. Okay. So I guess you can still function on six and a half hours of sleep. Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. So is your coaching in person only or do you have an online presence as well? Both. It was one-on-one because there's something about the energy within the room you know, that I really, really enjoy. Uh, there's something about walking into someone's office unannounced and be like, yo, where's your goals? Come on. You said you were good. You know, um, there's something to say about that, but I, I, I do, I do now coach other people in different States. Yeah. Because the demand's there. Right. And I'm not going to tell the market. No, not yet. Uh, so, um, yep. I'm working with people, uh, not just one-on-one physically. I'm guessing you just kind of calling them on FaceTime or something and having a daily conversation or how often do you interact with your clients? So it's by phone. I'm learning Skype crazy. I'm not doing it on over, over Skype right now, but uh, um, it, right now it's over phone. Um, I also have a Facebook mastermind group that everyone kind of trades ideas and, and does all that. Um, but outside of that, it, it really depends, right? We're going to put two time blocked calendar stuff, time blocked meetings within the calendar that we will not move, right? That's going to be a very purposeful business conversation. You're going to drop numbers when we first get on the call and we're going to discuss hiring or whatever else you need to. Um, But other than that, I'm basically on call, right? So if you live in or around my area and I'll travel, I traveled three hours, uh, was it a week or two ago? Uh, So I'll travel and I'll teach a class for your agents or for your people. If you need anything, text me. I had someone texting me today, a few questions and I'm, I'm there to answer them. Basically, what I'm saying is two a month, but I'm on call, right? I'm kind of on call. How can you apply the concepts that you give to other agents for the investment side? 
because there's so many similarities between being a real estate investor and being a real estate agent. So what can a real estate investor learn from, from you? Yeah. So the same, honestly, some of the same principles I tell the agents. So it, it's, it's think different, right? Think bigger. Um, oh, I know one. I know one. This one I taught today. But we'll, we'll also say this again. Your calendar, right? This is stuff. I always tell my people, man, two things have to support your goals, right? One is your environment. Your environment must support your goals, right? That's why I said my wife's like super supportive. This is for investors too. And your calendar or your schedule must support your goals, man. The activities that you, if you're going to go driving for dollars, if you're going to go look at some properties, you better block out the time to go do so, right? So you're very purposeful with your time and and the investments you're looking at. Um, Another thing is that, and I tell my real estate people that uh, we talk with investors too, is, is break it fast. Like go out there, make mistakes, get into communication say the wrong things when you're in conversation with other high-level investors or other lenders or other closing attorneys. Go out there and break your business. One of the first things I, would t- I tell people all the time is, is done is better than perfect, right? You got to go out there and take action. Um, and this is both real estate agent and real estate investor. Uh, just go out there and screw it up, man. Screw it up. Uh, is, is something that I think I, and, and, and watch your numbers too, right? Watch your numbers, man. Be very numbers based. But yeah, we bring up numbers first because there's no, the numbers say the result. I mean, there's no excuse behind it. It is what it is. Being able to appreciate and tell the story in your numbers is is important and right, including P&L and and gross and net on those properties. So to summarize, you know, one, think bigger. Two, surround yourself with a great environment. Three, make sure you have your calendar booked and the, everything you have in your calendar should support your long-term goals. You need to, I guess the term here is called fail fast. You want to just try a bunch of different things and break your business as soon as possible. So you know what works and what doesn't work. And then the number five is track your metrics. Make sure you have your numbers on point. Yep. 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 And, and I'll also say, yeah, we say failing forward, right? Just falling forward, just fail, fail forward. Um, there's a lot to be learned into that, right? Uh, but we'll also I'll look at uh, uh, learning to say no. And that's for investors and real estate agents, learning to say no to people, learning to say no to investments, learning to say no to clients. Um, some people want everybody in the world to like them, and you can't do that, right? Who, who is that? Per- oh, man, who, who said it? Said, if you want everybody to like you, go sell ice cream, right? Um, I mean, you, you just, it's just not going to work, right? Like you have to learn how to say no and be okay with it, right? Because you're saying no for a big, big, big reason, right? If you say yes to that person, you're saying no to the impact that you said you wanted to create. So so learning to say yes or no, uh, or learn to say no at a higher level is, is mad important. What are some final tips I can give to our listeners? Take action. Think different. Surround yourself with people that keep you uncomfortable. Surround yourself with people who want to multiply your life. When you walk into a room, you're almost not sure what to say or how you're going to say it because you're so uncomfortable because they're they're at such a high level. Like Force yourself to get into those type of environments. It's going to suck. You're going to screw up. You're going to say the wrong thing. You're going to step on someone's shoes. Right. And they're going to be the nicest shoes you've ever seen. It's just going to happen. Force yourself to be uncomfortable to to surround yourself with that type of environment and then take action on everything that you feel that you deserve in life and be unapologetic about it. You only have one chance at this thing, man. You only have one chance. So be unapologetic. 
Go out there, take massive freaking action, and surround yourself with people who push you to take massive freaking action. Nice. So how can people get in contact with you? Yeah, man. So I am on uh, social media at Proven by Ruben, R-U-B-E-N. Um, and that is Instagram. DM me, direct message me if you'd like. Hit me up on Facebook, all good. Hit me up on LinkedIn, all good. Um, I have a Proven by Ruben podcast uh, so where I talk to CEOs, startups, and, and you get to hear their failures. Yeah, any one of those avenues, man. Hit me up. I'd be more than happy to connect with you guys. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time. And thanks again for all that great advice. You're welcome. Of course, man. Anytime. Take care. Here are some of the key takeaways I got from speaking to Ruben. Leverage other people and get them on your team. Build networks and have conversations on multiple platforms. Talk to everyone you know and let them know how you can help them. People don't care how much you know unless they know how much you care. Think bigger. Surround yourself with people that keep you uncomfortable, people that push you. Have your calendar booked and fail fast. Fail forward. Do these things and you will be successful. You can find the show notes and the full transcription on everythingrei.com. Hope you all learned a lot. Thanks and have a great day. This was another episode of the Everything Real Estate Investing Show with Sean Pan. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating. It'll take less than a second and it'll help a lot. You can contact me at seanpanrealty at gmail.com. That's S-E-A-N-P-A-N-R-E-A-L-T-Y at gmail.com. Thanks and have a great day.